Hello, everyone. Stuart Gandalf. Welcome to another one of our podcasts. Today, I'm pleased again to be speaking with Jim Merlino, who is President and Chief Medical Officer of the Strategic Consulting Division of Press Ganey. And our readers and subscribers will recognize Jim. Uh, he used to be with Cleveland Clinic previous uh, or prior to Press Ganey, and we've had him on this podcast many times, and I always enjoy speaking with him. We were just talking offline about how much fun it is to talk and uh, invite him to these things because uh, he's just a, uh, has a plethora of insights that I think you'll find extremely fascinating and helpful. So today, as we mentioned a moment ago, uh, that Jim had uh, was the chief uh, or the patient chief of patient experience for Cleveland Clinic, now in his new role at Press Ganey, and it's been a while since we've talked, and so I thought that we'd like to start off and t- catch up on how his perspective has changed since he's taken on a different role for Press Ganey. Obviously, at Cleveland Clinic, uh, Jim had a very broad and important role, not just there, but with other hospitals being involved with the summit and uh, the Association for Patient Experience and so forth. But at Press Ganey, obviously, he will have a new perspective. So, Jim, I'd like to start off by asking you, broadly speaking, Share with us, now that you're at a new organization, some of the new insights you've had about, you know, how different healthcare organizations, hospitals are thinking about patient experience. Sure, Stuart. Well, first of all, let me say it's, it's always a pleasure to, uh, to be having these conversations with you. I really enjoy the interaction and appreciate uh, the work that you're doing to get the message out around the work that's being done uh, across the country and across the world in healthcare. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating to have this perspective now that I'm on the other side, having come from the provider side and now essentially working in the private sector to help support uh, healthcare, uh, healthcare operations and their strategy. And, and a couple of interesting uh, learnings for me have been number one that you know our our work with healthcare systems really goes beyond just the patient experience, and you know we're much more in now to helping organizations with patient operations, uh, improving uh, broader definition of patient experience, including safety and quality. And and what's what I think has been one of the interesting findings for me is that you, know, you could pretty much list uh, the top ten or so issues that hospital C-suites across the country are really paying attention to today. But it it was a little surprising for me to find that the priority of those listings is very different. So some organizations are, you know, focused on market share, some are focused on safety, some have elevated the patient experience at the top, some have uh, uh, elevated integration. So everybody has their own kind of uh, list of what their priorities are. But I think what is the most surprising to me, and it's probably something that I should have had insight into going into this role, but it's really been just just an epiphany for me, is is how differently organizations approach problems. And it's it's interesting, I use this analogy of of treating a disease around uh, executing on a care path. You know, a care path, essentially you have a couple ways of, of doing things well or right, and then if you if you do something that's kind of outside of that right, it's it's outside the standard of care. You think of the analogy of a highway. If you're in the middle lanes, you're you're in the standard of care as you start to move towards the edges, you get outside the standard of care. It is the same way to think about how hospitals approach operations around their strategies. Is that you know, there's a handful of ways that hospitals are doing things for any particular issue. Uh, and then there's a myriad of different ways that may not be as successful as some ways that other hospitals are doing them. And the variability on how organizations execute, to me, is just fascinating. 
And and I should I should point out that you know the the right ways there's a lot of right ways to do things, uh, and probably less wrong ways when it comes to hospital operations. But but the the variability of of how organizations how C suites think about execution is really really striking to me. So you mentioned, you know, the different 10 priorities or, you know, that we could all think through. Okay, market share would certainly be one. For profit hospitals, profit might be one. Market share, consolidation, uh, you know, building the brand, working on safety, working on patient experience. Uh, you know, so clearly there's different uh uh, ways of approaching things. Are there any strategies that, from your perspective, you know, are the leads? So, for example, we were talking offline about something that, uh, you know, we've had discussions about and other of our clients have, the insight that, you know, for example, hospitals are, are spending time thinking about branding, but, you know, really from the patient's point of view, the patient experience is the brand, right? You can tell me, you can have all kinds of great ads, but my patient experience and my, you know, most intimate dealings with the hospital are really the brand from my perspective. Um, I guess as, as you're thinking through these various uh uh, priorities. Where do where do you feel like for most hospitals? I mean, because everybody's different, obviously. But where would you recommend they start focusing, or where do you think would be the place to be more appropriate than others? Well, I go back to my roots and where I came from in hospital leadership and, and operations, which is around the patient experience. And I think that you know, when when I started in this in that particular role at Cleveland Clinic, we had a very kind of narrow definition of what the patient experience was and it was really more around service and satisfaction. But I think as I evolved there and we evolved the strategy there and now stepping into this role at Prescini, the way we see the patient experience is really much broader around this concept of delivering safe, high quality care in an environment where essentially patients feel cared for or the service piece or patient centeredness, however you kind of define that third piece. But they but the patient experience is really all three components and everything else that we do in healthcare. And if you think about the patient promise, so what is it that healthcare organizations deliver to people or to patients more specifically? It's this idea that you're going to provide safe care, you're going to provide high quality care, and you're going to do it in a patient family centered environment. That's what we do. And I think that uh, organizations should elevate that to really becoming their top strategic priority. Because if you think about it, you know, that's what we do. And if we can't get that part of what we do right and don't do it well, then then organizations aren't going to be successful. And, and frankly, in today's environment, as you know, with increasing consumerism, more information, greater choice, uh, people are going to differentiate against you if you don't kind of, you know, hit the nail on the head with that uh, that patient promise. You, you know, that's so critical. And uh, I love, the, you know, obviously the broader definition. And, and you know, we've talked before about how um, certainly in the past and even today, you know, doctors and administrators and so forth can dismiss patient experience with the idea of, you know, I don't care if they get better. I just want to, or I don't care if they like me. I just want to get them better. But that's, you know, not really getting the broader picture but on the other hand, it's, you know, the idea of just giving a hotel experience and, but you know, um, the outcomes are terrible and the safety is terrible. That's not a good idea either. So really, um, I can see demanding all three of those things is critical. The, uh, you know, going forward, uh, you know, I'm thinking about there's a hospital locally here that was just acquired 
um, and that uh, on some of the uh, quality and safety scores scored really low. And uh, it's it's funny. I'm watching with interest what they're going to do. And again, you know, worrying about new billboards and new colors and so forth, I think misses the point. One of the things we talk about uh, a lot in our seminars and as we write and speak is, you know, I think most marketing people from the marketing standpoint start with, you know, the promotion, which is to me the last thing to talk about. You know, basic marketing theory is product, place, um, price, and promotion. Promotion is at the end. The product is the most important thing. Now, in this case with healthcare, um, you know, the product is keeping people alive. So that's really the product, but it's more than that. Um, so looking at this, then, let's drill down maybe on each of these things a little bit. Let's talk about the safety component because and uh, the high reliability. Tell me more about that. Well, safety is um, uh, obviously a very important topic in healthcare. And you know, if you step back and think about that broader definition, you, know, you, can, you can create an environment or a culture where people are nice, people are working together, but if the organization is delivering on harm to patients or even to caregivers, and there is uh, an, uh, a, you know, a lot of safety errors in your organization, then you're not going to fulfill that patient promise and the patient experience. Uh, as it stands today, you know, we have approximately 440,000 deaths in the United States from serious safety errors. Uh, one in 25 people coming into the hospital encounter a hospital-acquired infection. Uh, senior citizens, people over 65, have a 25% uh, increased risk if they come to the hospital of suffering a serious safety event. Uh, it, all told, it adds about $2,000 per hospital discharge in the United States. Uh, and, and if you treat safety like a disease, it's, it's not, but if you did, it would be the third leading cause of death in the United States. So we have made tremendous progress in the United States since the Institute of Medicine study came out to Errors Human, but we have not made enough progress. And it is unconscionable to think that we create such harm in healthcare. And as a surgeon, I always hated the analogies to the airline industry because my, my first refrain would be that, well, you know, taking care of people is not like flying planes. But the reality is when you look at organizations that have achieved high performance and high reliability like the airlines, uh, like nuclear power, like the military, the reality is that we can be more like them and we can do a better job of delivering on safer health care. We have to standardize more of what we're doing. We have to elevate reduction of harm to a top strategic priority. We have to make safety an uncompromisable core value of our organizations. We have to do more to protect people. It's still shocking to me after all these years and hearing the first about the number of you know airline or planes going down uh, comparison, but still you know obviously this is a still a, a huge issue. How, tell me, can you think of any? I can imagine as a CEO because the CEOs I know at hospitals, it's kind of like when you think about the president of the United States. You know, people blame the president for everything. It's like they can't really do everything. They don't have the power that you would like to think. And for a CEO of a hospital. You know, one of the CEOs that we're working with right now has union problems and all kinds of issues that are not something that's directly in, in his control. Um, so it must be daunting if you're taking over a hospital as a – let me ask you this. Let's say you had a CEO of a hospital that came to you and said, hey, I just took over this hospital. We're an ex-community, and it has a terrible reputation, and frankly, you know, privately it's deserved. It's been a real problem for safety. 
how, you know, what are some of the case studies that you could share with them or one of the successes that would kind of inspire them that you really can make a huge impact? Or maybe you can think of a specific hospital or system that really had huge improvements. What would they do first? Well, that's a great question. And, and I think that, you know, the role of that a CEO stepping into uh, a role like that it certainly has their challenges, and that's not an easy job. But, but I think that, you know, your, your point is right. They can't do everything. They can't focus on everything. But there are, there are some basic things that I think an organization can do. Uh, number one, uh, they, can, they, can, they can put this messaging out that we are going to commit to zero harm that we have to raise awareness around the issue, uh, that we have to make an organizational commitment. Uh, they have to, you know, they should instill safety as a, as a uncompromisable core value. It, you know, if it's not in the value stream, it should be. Um, if it is, it needs to be elevated and people need to talk about it. The second thing that they need to do is, is really put a face on safety. And what I mean by that is part of the reason I think we don't pay attention to errors and other opportunities as, as much as we should is, is because we create statistics, or I should say we have statistics. But people are not statistics. You know, if your family member or, or, or you experience that harm or a serious safety event, you know, you are not just some number on the paper. You're a person, you have a family, you have friends. Your whole life changes depending upon the magnitude of what happened. So I think we have a responsibility to talk about this the way it is, which is it's about people, it's not about statistics. And when you look at organizations that have really raised the bar on safety, one of the tactics that they, they use is that, you know, they put faces on the statistics. I mean, the actual patient's face on the statistic. So that every time they're seeing a death rate, you know, they're looking at a person's face and knowing that that person died because of a serious safety event. It wasn't just the wound infection in room two. It was this person and they had a family. The, the third thing that I think they can do is be transparent. And, and this fits very nicely with, you know, what you, you already mentioned and you know is going on in the market today, is, and that is that there's more and more information out there. And when we have information available and we are transparent about it, it drives change. So we should be transparent to our organization about the safety event so that people know what's going on. We should make it personal and we should commit to this goal of zero harm. And when you look at organizations that have just driven those three topics, you see change in the safety rates. Wow, that's, that's inspiring. The, I imagine transparency is not always easy. <laughs> I can just think of somebody coming into a, a hospital where they haven't been transparent. That must be quite an uphill battle. Um, or is it? I don't know. We've talked before about the importance of leadership and really embracing this. Is transparency, I mean, certainly there's some hospitals that are leading this, this effort, but can that be a real challenge for some of the people you speak with? I think it's a tremendous challenge, and you're right. We have talked about this before. I think, I think we, you know, healthcare has made a lot of progress on the topic of transparency. More and more organizations are transparent with their information, but we still have a lot of work to do. One of the things that we're finding, and my colleague at Press Candy, Dr. Tom Lee, talks about this a lot, is that you know, it's, it's, by the way, not just being transparent about the opportunities that we have or physicians have, but it's also being transparent about the accolades. And it's interesting when you look at work that's been done and published by the University of Utah, Vivian Lee, who's the CEO out there, put doctor's scores and comments on their website. And, you know, she got some expected pushback, but a couple things happened. Number one, um, their scores improved. So this idea of getting the information out to the physicians 
um, got their attention, got them working on it. Number two, the doctors had many, many more positive comments than negative comments. And, and they actually like seeing their positive comments out there. And, and third, you know, it had a significant impact on their brand because it changed the search dynamics on uh, sites like Google. So instead of when you type up University of Utah and ask for a specific physician, instead of all the for-profit sites coming up, the real information, the good information, which is what uh, the university put on the site, uh, comes up first. And since most of the comments are positive, that's what patients see. So there's a lot of benefits to, to driving towards greater transparency. I think we have a long way to go, but we're definitely making progress. You know, that it's funny. I've spoken to some of the people from University of Utah, and it's an inspiring case study. And it's I've seen some hospitals doing it, but the uh, it is it, to me again going back to inspiring. It, the people are taking leadership. You know, that's the thing that because it's easy to talk about leadership until you have you know a board and a bunch of people looking, at, or you know five hundred or a thousand or ten thousand employees looking at you like you're insane. <laughs> it's a different kind right. of a thing. So uh, to actually have the courage and the will to um, to deal with the inevitable pushback is terrific. Let, let's talk about healthcare reform and you know value-based care and some of those developments because of course. You know, patient experience is a lot more in vogue because of the reimbursement issues and where things are going. But, you know, what's what's happening there and what should we be thinking about? Well, I think that um, overall, you know, everybody has an opinion on healthcare reform and the ACA. And the thing that strikes me the most is it really doesn't matter what side of the aisle you sit on, what your political leanings are. Um, because the ACA is not really a homogeneous uh, monolith of of change, it's 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 uh, it's something that incorporates a lot of pieces of change, and you know there's good and bad, and people will argue the merits uh, on, on all the little pieces for for a long time. But but the bottom line is the it, it has healthcare reform has fundamentally brought good some good things to healthcare, and the thing that you know I get excited about is this focus finally on metrics that matter, and what I mean by that is if you look at the value based purchasing program, for instance, finally what it has done, which has never been done before in the United States to the degree that it has been, is it's taken things that are really important to patients, things like safety and quality and the service experience, and it's linked providers' performance to reimbursement. And, and that is driving significant attention and change in, in, in healthcare, and it's driving change for the better. Now, now we know that... Uh, Organizations, healthcare organizations, have always had wanting to do the right thing for patients in mind. No question. You know, nobody nobody goes into healthcare because they want to hurt people or harm people. But but sometimes the priorities on driving improvement uh, didn't bubble up to the appropriate places. I mean, again, you see it. You saw it when the Institute of Medicine issued their report, 1999, all the safety problems. But what this is doing is it's really saying, look, this is important stuff. And, you know, this is important for patients, and we're trying to improve the delivery of what we do. And by the way, you know, we are going to incentivize performance by linking it to how you, how, how you get paid. And, and, that is, and that is, you know, a good thing for healthcare, and it is driving significant change. So I think that, again, regardless of where you sit politically or what you think about uh, the, the, the law, the good pieces of it that relate to that are probably going to be around and it's going to for for a long time and it's going to continue to drive significant improvements in healthcare. 
you know, it's funny because uh, we probably talked about this in the past. I know I've talked about this a lot. Is there's also beyond you know um, whether it's a law or not, there were market forces in place anyway <laughs> that were driving some That's of right. the aspects of it. And uh, number two, it's kind of there's aspects of um, this that are just sort of the right thing to do. So it's it, again, I agree totally. Whether you're a Democrat or Republican or whomever. That's not really the issue. It's just that uh, it's it's obviously complicated and maybe sometimes convoluted, but the some of the core underpinnings are, you know, I think inevitable. <laughs> it's just going to happen irrespective right. of, of of this particular law. Um, well, any you know, additional? It's, 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 well, it's interesting, right. sir, because if you think about it, you know, we're all part of this healthcare ecosystem. Not just because we we work in healthcare or we work around healthcare or we support healthcare, but you know, at the end of the day, we're all in this together because we're all going to be patients. And our families are going to be patients. And so we should all want to work together to figure out what is the best way to drive improvements around this idea of the patient promise of safety, high quality, and patient centeredness. I and mean, it's essential for all of us. I, I totally agree. And, you know, we've talked offline. We, while we have trainers and we do staff training and so forth, patient experience isn't the core of what we do. We're a marketing firm and we do. But in terms of, it's on the other hand, it's exactly the core of what we do, right? <laughs> it's like it's the product we have with our clients. And that's why I'm so passionate about this, because just like you said, we're all going to be patients someday, or certainly family members are. Right now, I happen to be in an epicenter where my personal family is doing pretty good health-wise, but people around me are all, all kinds of friends and family and professional colleagues have families or either personally or a family that has a real health problem right now. I know lots of people with just something about it. And, uh, you know, so it's it's vital to all of us. And um, for me, it's just as a mission statement for me. This is why I love helping get the word on this about this, because I think it's so vital. Tell me about, uh, I, we alluded to, you know, sort of um, uh, one of the things you mentioned, value-based care in our preparation. Any additional thoughts about value-based care, the concept, or where, what you think that really means today and where we're going? I think that it's... Uh... Well, one other thing I would add about other than the fact that I think it's, you know, finally putting a focus on things that really matter for patients and driving significant change is the other thing it's starting to do uh, because we need to do it to accommodate it is is getting us to focus on our cultures. You know, if you, if you think about uh, the way we used to execute on hospital operations, there'd be a new mandate or a new law or regulation or something, and we create a process, and we, you know, the, the dutiful hospital leaders would execute on that process, and we'd move along. Today, when you think about all the things that organizations have to be held accountable for, or I should say, are being held accountable for, just executing on a new process is not enough. What what we need to do to be successful is really get to this core issue of how we start to align our cultures, so that every day people are coming to work. Uh, focused on this idea that the patient's at the center. And and as a result of that, I think what you're seeing a lot of healthcare organizations do is investing in developing competencies in their people to deliver better, compassionate, connected care, to be more empathetic, to teach the skills to drive towards an organization that delivers high reliability consistently, uh, to to to, to develop competencies like emotional intelligence that directly lead to this idea of how we promote better teamwork. My um, my colleague, uh, Dr. Tom Lee, wrote this book called Epidemic of Empathy, and he talks about uh, how you know people come together around common desires to do the right thing. And one of the things he, he talks about is this idea of 
of really driving empathy across an organization. And I think that value-based care, because of the need to transform our cultures, to create cultures of caregivers that are more empathetic, that are more connected, uh, is, is going to have a dramatic impact not only on uh, the elements that are in the legislation and in the law, but ultimately in how we deliver better care across the country. And, you know, again, when we talk about engagement or the culture of caring, uh, I can imagine that's daunting <laughs> sometimes if you, if a hospital doesn't have that history. Um, so uh, just like we talked about some tips on safety, anything specific or that you think, you know, if you're the same CEO or a different CEO saying, you know, everybody, I guess, are good clinicians or want to be, but they don't seem to, if they care about the patients, they don't show it. Where do they even begin to change that? That must be like moving an aircraft carrier. You know, I, I think that's a great question, and I think it starts with building blocks. I think, first of all, you need to measure it. A lot of organizations don't measure caregiver engagement. So just as we need to listen to the voice of the patient, we need to listen to the voice of the caregiver. Because ultimately, you'll never hear me say that the caregiver, the employee, is more important than the person we serve, the patient, or their family. But we should be making sure that the way we treat our people is as good as the way we treat our patients because we have to create the environment where, you know, we support people in a healthy environment where people can flourish, where people can work together. So measuring it, messaging it, spending time with your people, really getting to know the organization, listening to the organization, communicating. These are all things that don't cost a lot of money and don't take a lot of time. It just requires us to put some attention to it. In terms of the... um Press Ganey, and, and uh, now that you've changed your roles, uh, tell me more about, because I'm curious, uh, uh, not so much from a plug standpoint, but really how can you, uh, does you know, your division help? Because, again, this is a very complex, it's easy from the outside to point, poke holes at it or criticize a hospital, but it's really, really, really hard. So I guess, you know, what does your division do and how can that help? Because I'm really curious about yeah. that. Well, that's a great question, and <laughs> thanks for the plug. Um, and, 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 you know, it, it is really hard, and we, we don't poke holes because I, I think if you look at our group, and uh, we have about uh, 40 consultants, and they all come from healthcare. Uh, actually, most of them come from healthcare, but they all come from very experienced backgrounds. We recognize that, you know, leading anything is difficult, and there's nothing perfect about it. And our approach is uh, not to come in and be, and to have all the answers, but to come in and really help organizations uh figure out where the lever points are, where they can better transform their care environment. Uh, We're very excited. We just acquired a company called HPI Healthcare Performance Improvement, which is the largest safety and high reliability consulting group in the United States. And when you look at the work they've done and the work that we do, you know, it's really about creating this partnership. We don't see ourselves as consultants. We see ourselves as coaches because we want to bring the skills and the experiences that we have uh, to the leadership team that we're partnering with to help them on their journey so we're part of it and we're doing it together. And I think the greatest value that we bring is the experiences we have, not only from where each of us come from, but from the work we've done with other clients that we can bring to an engagement to help people gain a better understanding of where some of their opportunities are and where they might be able to make a, a more focused investment to get some higher performance. Uh, so it's, it's actually very exciting work. I uh, I, uh, I, I love working with uh, all of our clients, just wonderful people, deeply committed to this idea of 
you know, improving care, reducing patient suffering. Uh, it's just it's just such an exciting time to be working in healthcare. I, I totally agree. You know, it's funny. One of the things that um, you know, it really comes down to, in a way, another best practice. You know, no matter how smart you are as an individual executive at a hospital, you know, what can you learn from, you know, what dozens or hundreds or thousands of others have done? It's a different viewpoint. So you can be, you know, the most intelligent person in the room, but if there's nothing like experience and seeing what other people are doing. And um, so that, and then, of course, so just the perspective you guys have, plus, of course, you've got some smart people, I'm sure works great. Which is, you know, in my own life, I try to do that as much as I can. <laughs> I like to think I'm pretty smart at what I do, but I'm always looking to learn. And I can see how, um, in your field, uh, that must be vital to see the experience of others, for sure. Um, no, any other? It's, it's an honor. Uh, excellent. Um, uh, any parting thoughts before we go? I mean, this is a, a, a passion for both you and me. Anything else or any final words of advice you'd give to our listeners? No, I think I would just say anybody who's out there thinking that uh, it's really tough in healthcare today, first of all, it is tough. We certainly have to acknowledge that. But we should also see it as an opportunity. I think it's very exciting. And there is so much opportunity out there to really drive to high performance in healthcare. I mean, this concept of how we start to pivot the discussion from you know, delivering care for people to helping to reduce suffering for people, whether they're patients or, or, or fellow caregivers, uh, it, it's just it's a great focus. It's the right focus, and um, I think we have tremendous opportunity to really do the right thing and to improve the delivery of of the services that we provide to people. And my final comment on that is to bring people back to why they got into healthcare in the first place, right? <laughs> to do the right Absolutely. thing. And it's, it it's easy to fall astray in our world, but to come back to the principles of you know safety, uh, high quality care, and making patients feel cared for. It, you, it seems like a no-duh, but honestly, it's not, not with all the competing priorities. So that's an excellent insight, really, is just to come back to, you know, what matters. And everything else will it maybe not quite take care of itself, but almost take care of itself when we do that. You've been terrific, as always. I love doing these things with you. Um, actually, our uh, discussion's already inspired another topic we'll have to talk about on another day. But uh, for now, thank you so much. You've been great. And uh, to our listeners, thanks for listening. Thank you, Stuart. It's my pleasure.